There is a lot of confusion surrounding God's wrath. Will God's wrath fall upon His children someday? Will God's children experience His wrath during the tribulation period? Well, that's what we're going to be discussing on today's podcast. We're going to be looking at God's wrath specifically and who will experience it someday in the future. So get out your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and let's get into it. What's up there, my friends? Jason Jimenez here. So glad to be with you guys as we continue our study here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a podcast designed specifically for the Christian who wants to stand strong in God's word. In order to do that, we have to look contextually in God's word for all that it's worth. And that's going to be exploring certain passages that are disturbing to us or linking other passages of scripture to help bring Uh, Not just to highlight, but also to help interpret the Word of God. And that's the best way, my friends, is to take a literal, grammatical, historical interpretation to Scripture and let Scripture interpret itself as we are illuminated and directed and convicted and taught by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just got back from a trip recently And I was teaching on my forthcoming book called Hijacking Jesus. And one of the big things I was having discussion with a lot of people is surrounding the way that we interpret scripture. And I tell you, my friends, in all my years, that's what it boils down to is what's your interpretation of scripture. Progressive Christians take a metaphorical interpretation to scripture. What that means is they say they take the Bible seriously, but they don't take it literally And so one of the things that we do here on this podcast is we take a literal, grammatical, historical interpretation to Scripture. And I think that the best way to do that is that we take the Bible at its word, we study it in its context, in in the time period in which each book was written to understand as best we can the intent of the author and study it chronologically as it builds, as we understand it in its historical narrative. And that's what we've been doing. So if you are new to this podcast, welcome. I'm so excited and thrilled to be with you guys. I just got out of a study this morning looking at the state of our Christian beliefs. And my friends, it is so sad that so many Christians today do not believe the Bible to be the infallible word of God. There are so many quote-unquote professing, self-identifying Christians who say that they follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but yet they don't put their faith and trust in the Word of God. They don't believe they can fully trust it. They believe that it's been manipulated through the centuries, that it's filled with discrepancies and errors, and they buy into people like Bart Ehrman. They buy into the progressive movement that's been led for decades by people like John Shelby Spung and Marcus Borg and Richard Rohr and Robin Myers, and the list goes on. And so this is a place to help you spiritually grow in your faith. And so I am so blessed and honored to be with you guys all these years as we study the word of God chronologically. Now, to bring you up to speed, if you've missed out on any other of the previous podcasts, this theme that we are discovering in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 has to deal with a thief in the night. And what we explored on podcast 200, which was last podcast, so you've missed that, go download it, check it out. And while you're there, please leave us a, uh, please re, uh, leave us a review. That would be so grateful and, and so helpful for you guys to just let people know what you're learning 
and and share that out there with people so we can continue to uh, be a podcast where people can get um, their you know um, taste, if you will, for for God and 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 to better understand His Word. And so, last podcast when we were diving into uh, the beginning of chapters uh, one through nine, excuse me, one through eight, we saw what the day of the Lord is about. And we saw how that was broken up with times and seasons, what the phrase thief of the night meant. Uh, we also discussed and, and looked at false uh, peace and security. And one of the things we looked at is, is what are people saying today where they dismiss the return of Christ and they're focusing on just trying to make life in this world better. Like this is heaven on earth. And we saw how uh, the, that, that type of disturbance has really led people astray. And then we cap things off where we were talking about the return of Christ and being an active witness, uh, being awakened in the spirit and making sure that our lives are being equipped. And, and Paul referred to that as the breastplate of faith and love. And he was talking about how we as Christians, we need to protect our vital organs. That means that we need to grow in our faith and we need to guard ourselves against the various attacks that come from the enemy and that we are to live righteous lives and we are to love God no matter what and love people. And then he talked about this helmet of the hope of salvation. And, and essentially what he was conveying was that Christians, if you love God, then you will have a heart that will be steadfast no matter what obstacles, trials, tribulations, testings may, may come. And we were reminded that the day is darkening and we are to be a light and a witness uh, to those who are perishing. And so now we transition into verses nine through 11, where the question before us is, will God's wrath fall on his children? Now, as I said in the opening, there's a lot of confusion because depending on what view you take of the end times will determine what your viewpoint is regarding God's wrath, meaning how you define it theologically and contextually, and also um, how you bear it out throughout the tribulation period. Who are the people remaining in the tribulation period? Uh, this also affects your view of when the tribulation occurs, um, who is involved. For example, is it regarding Israel? Is it regarding non-believers? Are people getting saved during the tribulation period? Do Christians who, um, you know, miss out on the rapture, will there, will, will God's wrath fall upon them or there is no rapture and we just, we just go right into the tribulation period and God's wrath falls upon all of us and none of us are immune or safe or protected from it. So again, whatever your view is, if you're an amillennialist, if you are pre-tribulationist, if you uh, are a post-tribulationist, it will determine how you respond to this question, will God's wrath fall on his children? Now, as you know, on this podcast, I am a pre-tribulationist. I, I believe in the rapture at any given time, the imminency of, of uh, Christ's return. We can, you can go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where we discuss that. I look forward to when I start uh, going verse by verse through the f book of 1 Corinthians. We will also break that down in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7 and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, and there's clearly other passages. And of course, when the time comes, which will be years from now, on the rate that we're going when we study the book of Revelation in chronological order. But the fact remains, we covered a lot in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in chapter 5, in the beginning of verses 1 through 8, as I was just giving you a, a quick little recap. So, 
If you want to understand my viewpoints contextually and in, in scripture, you can go to those podcasts to check those things out. So because I believe in the rapture and then the seven year tribulation period where the Antichrist midway will go into the, the, the tribulation temple and declare himself to be God, the abomination of desolation that's recorded for us. Uh, we'll see later in second Thessalonians chapter two, as well as what Ma uh, Jesus himself mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Um, after that, we will see the battle of Armageddon, and then we will return in our resurrected bodies with Jesus Christ. Well, he will defeat the enemy and bound him for a thousand years and establish his millennial king, his millennial reign. And so one thing that we will see on today's message is that when God does judge, when he does act, and there's a difference between his judgment on certain people and his wrath, that's being distinguished between the people groups that Jesus himself will deal with in the future because remember he's a lamb of god and he will come on his white horse and he is the king of king and the lord of lords and he will establish his kingdom so that you know if, if you take that approach then the way i'm going to be defining what wrath is and what's destined or appointed for will make better sense for you contextually than what other people i believe um, insert based on their eschatological positioning uh, where god's wrath is going to fall upon everybody because it's about um, uh, punishing them for not living the way that they they were supposed to uh, before the tribulation, before the Antichrist came on scene. Of course, I don't I don't hold to that. I respect people who do, but I adamantly oppose them uh, theologically and biblically uh, based on their interpretation. So, with that being said, let's dive in. Let me read verses nine through eleven of First Thessalonians chapter five, so we can answer this question: Will God's wrath fall on His children? So, notice in verse nine: For God is not destined. That means he has not appointed us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So it's a very short passage here, but there's a lot that Paul puts in here. So for example, notice how Paul's responding to what he just shared in verses six through eight. So let's jump back in context, and let's read what he just said in verses six or eight. He says, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a, hel and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So that is what Paul was just sharing as he dives into verse nine here, for God is not a destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this phrase mean, destined us for wrath? Well, if you go back to verses one, or excuse me, if you go to chapter one, verse 10, and also what's mentioned here in verse five and nine, and you also go to second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 14. So notice we're taking three verses in the two letters that Paul writes to Thessalonians. And what is emphasized in each one of these passages? That God has saved his children from the wrath to come. Okay, so period. If, if we directly answer this question based on 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, and 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, will God's wrath fall on his children? According to these three passages, no. So clearly Paul's referring to the tribulation period given the fact that he just detailed the event of the rapture. So that's another thing in getting a proper context. If we look at scripture, Paul was just talking about the rapture and now he's talking about the God's wrath to come. Well, what is God's wrath to come? The tribulation period. 
And is that set aside for the Christian church? No, because they will be taken. And if you look at scripture, nowhere have we seen in scripture where God's wrath specifically has fallen upon his people. So Paul, is, when he says God has not destined us, appointed us for wrath, and essentially what he's saying is God has not appointed you to go through the tribulation period as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because we see over and over again, when I was giving you guys a description a few podcasts ago in the beginning of chapter 5, when he's talking about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a sequential, uh, meaning that it's it's masterfully within Scripture um, resembling or dedicate, I should say, specifically to multiple events. So it's an accumulation of events that represent the day of the Lord. It's not just a particular one-day event. It is led by multiple events. And before that, we're see, we see the labor pains that would lead to the wrath of God to come or Jacob's trouble or time of distress. That's contextually, if, you, if you're consistent, you see that language that's being bared out. So that's tied into what Paul has already been describing regarding the day of the Lord. And in order to understand the day of the Lord, you have to go back to the Old Testament that we were covering various different passages describing the day of the Lord. So as a Jewish reader, knowing the Jewish scriptures and seeing the fulfillment of Christ, as people like Paul and them are explaining, it's making sense. So clearly Paul's referring to uh, the tribulation period, and he's now mentioning in context that God's wrath is going to follow that. So the verb usage of destined indicates that God's original plan did not involve judgment over the world. See, that's interesting. God is not destined, meaning from the very beginning, God never appointed us to receive his wrath. He wanted to have a perfect, holy relationship with Adam and Eve. And so even, even now, as we see the, the scriptures describing the coming wrath of, of God, that was not his original purpose. And we have to keep that, my friends, in context. Because the wrath of God will fall on the unrepentant and the rebellious people. That was not God's plan originally for us to sin. Now, he knew we would. And so if he will, you know, quote unquote, had a backup plan, uh, not because he failed in the first attempt, because God makes no mistakes, he's perfect. But he made things perfectly, and free will is one of those perfect gifts. And to have true love, one needs to be free to either choose to love or to break that covenant. And we know that Adam and Eve did. Now let's go back to Romans 2 verse 5, because Paul says there, because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So people are storing up right now, as you're listening to this podcast, people are storing up God's wrath. The people who continue to walk in unrighteousness. He also says in Ephesians 5 verse 16, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So not only are we told in scripture, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, 5, 9, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, that God's wrath is not appointed for his children, but we're told specifically in Romans 2, 5 and Ephesians 5, 6, that God's wrath is upon whom? Will come upon whom? The sons of disobedience. So notice, not the sons of God, but the sons of disobedient. disobedience. Now, John in the book of Revelation provides a moment in time, which obviously is in the future, when God starts to pour out his wrath on the earth. And this is very descriptive. If you go to chapter 6 of Revelation, and I'm going to read you verses 12 through 17. Listen to a portion of God's wrath that falls upon the earth. 
It says, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree shed its winter fruit when shaken by a gall. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every moment or excuse me, every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? So, my friends, part of God's wrath on the earth, according to scripture, which will be the sons of disobedience, Romans 2, 5, Ephesians 5, 6, and of course it's descriptive in the book of Revelation, and there's no mentioning of the church, by the way, because John represents being caught up in Revelation 4, 1, and so from that point on, even though you hear about the tribulation saints, these are people who come to Christ during the tribulation period, but no mentioning of the church, the bride of Christ. So contextually, that's been consistent according to Revelation 2 and 3 that talks about the seven churches. So this wrath, part of it's going to be, uh, the earth is going to be chaotic. Notice the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in caves among the rocks and the mountains. So no one's going to be free from the wrath of God during the tribulation period. But notice more specifically now, so that's God's wrath. It says is not destined, is not appointed us to the wrath, but to what? But to obtain salvation. So Christians will not experience the wrath of God on, the, on earth because we will be caught up in the air to meet Jesus. We have not been appointed wrath, but we've, we've been called to obtain salvation because we're part of the elect. So God has freed, has given us an opportunity through Christ to receive him. And those who, who, who have received Jesus Christ Jesus took the wrath of the Father on him. And that spares you and me. And right now, as we listen to that, we should be grateful. I mean, eternally grateful. Notice verse 10 says, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So in this one verse, this is amazing because Paul brilliantly brings hope to the Thessalonians because what he does is he combines what they've been concerned about for those who died prior to the return of Christ. Because if you go back to chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, Paul was explaining to them that you didn't miss the coming of Christ. And those who died before the coming of Christ, they're with the Lord. They haven't been forgotten. So it wasn't like you had to be alive to receive the coming of Christ to go to heaven. He also talked about the living believers who remain in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, they have hope. And we await the return of Christ. So whether you die, right, or you are raptured, you will be with the Lord. And so this phrase, who died for us, again, this is a huge reminder, something that we have to understand too and not lose sight of when we're studying prophecy. Because if we look at it, Christ died for the sins of mankind. And we can share in this eternal life with Jesus because John 5, verse 24, remember when Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him, who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So not only are sons of disobedience going to receive the wrath of God, but they themselves are condemned for eternally, for 
you know, for, for eternity, I should say, they are spiritually dead. But if we come to know Christ, we have passed from judgment. We have passed from death to life. So whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So this is the beauty of all of it. Nothing. And this is something that Paul talks about at the end of Romans chapter eight. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take away the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. And that's the comforting word that Paul's giving in the midst of this. Okay, not only have you not missed the coming of Christ, but let me explain to you the hope that we have as we await the return of Christ. Don't worry about the loved ones who knew Jesus. Don't worry about the loved ones who faithfully uh, obeyed in the Old Testament, if you will, fulfilling the scriptures in faith and love just like Abraham. They're with the Lord. They were anticipating the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. And they put their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like we see in Romans 3 and Romans 4. He says, don't worry about them. Also, he says, be encouraged to know that if you are in Christ Jesus, you have been saved from that wrath. You've been saved from judgment because of your salvation. And that's why he says here in verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And so this other aspect of encouraging them is that God's wrath was not for you. It's not designated for you. It, you know, a lot of people today, even if they're not looking at this eschatologically, like what's going to happen in the end times and, and, and where will I be? You know, is, is the rapture going to be mid or towards the end? And so we all have to go through the tribulation period and receive, you know, go through this persecution and try to renounce the Antichrist, not take the mark of the beast, yada, yada, yada. And of course, I disagree with that. And I see how that, it's not just faulty thinking and misinterpreting the scriptures, but it also leads to false comfort. And it actually, it discourages people where the imminency, the doctrine of imminency is we live every single day, not in anticipation of the Antichrist and tribulation to come, but that Christ will take his church so we are, we, are, we are facing the trials and tribulations right now as we speak, and we don't lessen that. We don't think, oh, no, this isn't really much. You know, we're going to go through the tribulation period so it can in intensify our faith even all the more. And a lot of us have to be judged for the lack of the way that we treated uh, one another and the way that we led the church. Where does it say that? The life we're living right now, we're facing trials, temptations, and tribulations. The life that we're living right now, we are to be a light and a witness. We're going to go forth and make disciples of all nations. We're to, we're to be obedient. We're to be in through the, uh, to live according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing whether we awake or sleep, meaning whether we continue to live or whether we die, we might live for him right here, right now. Not, yeah, let's get it worked out during the tribulation period. It doesn't say that. God is not appointing us to wrath, but to salvation. Christ died for us. So whether we live or die, we're going to be with him. So let's live for him. Let's encourage one another. I love this word, encourage, here in verse 11, because it's the Greek word that means build up. It's oikodomeo, which is an architectural metaphor of Roman construction. Now, Grant Osborne, in his book, Verse by Verse Study of First and Second Thessalonians, he says, Quote, the saints need to join God and build each other up. We were all responsible to build each other up. This is a very important point for the church today. 
None of us can overcome the flesh and attain spiritual victory on our own. We need each other. This is a special phrase for each other. It's eston hino, hina. It is not just a cinnamon for one another, but adds meaning. And he writes here, and each one of you is an aspect that emphasizes a one-on-one environment in the church. The stresses on every single one of us involved with each other. I need you and you need me. We will both grow where I help you in your areas of weakness and you do the same with me, end quote. So that is so important because prior to the coming of Christ, prior to the tribulation period, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be building each other up. As I grow, I help you grow. And as you are helped by me to grow, to grow, you, as you grow, you help me in areas I need to grow in. And we multiply that in the lives of other people in our lives. That's what he's saying here. The saints need to join together and build each other up. We need to be encouraging one another until the day approaches, we're told in scripture. Another thing that that brought the Thessalonians great comfort, if you look at this passage of scripture, was that Paul was reminding them that they will one day be, be reunited with their loved ones who knew Christ beforehand. That's what I anticipate in meeting my my mom and many grandparents and my brother who died of cancer. So to me, that's very comforting to know that we, will, we won't see death or experience the wrath of God. Now, of course, if you die prior to the rapture, then you will experience death, but for a moment... And you're awaiting your resurrected body that will come during the uh, prior to the tribulation period when the rapture occurs. And so we as Christians, we're daily to remember these profound truths. We're not to neglect them. We're not to share uh, with others about, you know, you better watch out and God's wrath's coming upon you and they're they're Christians. No, we got to say, yeah, God will judge sin in your life. But, but we're, not, we're not to be boasting about going through the tribulation period as though God's going to use it as a refining point for us who are currently living the church right now before the Antichrist comes on scene. And, and, and again, I share this because there's a couple things that we see that we need to be focusing in on rather than that. Because I think that's leading people astray. Again, I'm not saying people, these are false teachers and it's false doctrine, but leading them astray to not be, to be, not be looking at the way they should be living their lives here and now, right now. And, I, and I, I've, I've counseled with a lot of people and answered a lot of questions with people who are confused about the tribulation period, uh, God's wrath falling upon them, that they're deserving of it. A lot of those people believe in the loss of salvation, that you can lose your salvation. They don't really have assurance. Um, they are misappropriating scripture in context to the character of God. And so that's where I'm saying that they can lead people astray in those things. Um, I think people mean... They're, 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 I think their intent is, is, is to, to try to teach people to anticipate what the scripture teaches, but they're just not properly interpreting it in an accurate sense. And so this passage here, we look at the significance of it because God's wrath is set aside for the sons of disobedience, and that's what the tribulation period is all about. Now, will people come to saving faith during the tribula- tribulation period? Of course. We see that, especially in Revelation 7, we see the 144,000. These are sealed Jews who have a marking and they sing a special song and they um, are presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. 
But that doesn't mean those people were Christian prior to the tribulation period and they were ushered into the tribulation period and God, they're experiencing God's wrath alongside other people who've rejected God. That's not a proper way of seeing in scripture. So in closing, let me just say this. We are to daily remember these profound truths and, and we're not to neglect to share them with our fellow believers the right way. And everything we need to make sure that we're taking a proper approach to scripture in order to build one another up in the faith. So here's three things as I close to help encourage each one of you. Number one, share about Christ's return to others. What this does is it keeps us pure before he returns. And that's important, vitally important. Cannot underestimate that. Number two, we need to share about Christ's return so we can encourage each other to continue to wait and be ready. Teach people to be watchful, to look and be sensitive to the signs that are before us as we anticipate an immediate return of Christ. And number three, we need to share about Christ's return because it motivates us to do the work that he's called us to do. So number one, we share about Christ's return, which is imminent, so people remain pure, you know, in anticipating his return. Number two, that this encourages each other to be ready and to be watchful. And number three, that people will continue to do the work that God has called them to do. So I pray that's been a blessing to you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I've thoroughly enjoyed teaching you guys First Thessalonians. We're going to be finishing things out probably in the next two podcasts. And then from there, we're going to turn our attention and focus into Second Thessalonians as I've already been studying that and thoroughly enjoying that study. So I can't wait to be teaching that on the podcast with you guys. So if you have any questions, you can go to standstrongministries.org, click on contact, and you can send me a direct email, or you can go to your email box and you can send me a message and just type in info at standstrongministries.org and send me that question that you have or prayer request. And again, I'm just encouraging you guys, continue to share with others this podcast and that you guys can use this in your small group studies in your individual life even as a family we're getting a lot of feedback from families around the world we have listeners in bulgaria and romania and russia in the middle east and it's amazing to see how this is reaching the lives of people just beyond the united states so keep that up my friends it's such a blessing till next time keep standing strong my friends 